Roses are red. Violets are blue. The Mariners have reported, and we have too. Welcome to episode 61 of the Hit It Here podcast, part of the Believe Network, the Munonori Kawasaki episode. And today we're going to be talking about, well, the Mariners reporting to spring training. We're going to talk about the jersey conundrum that's going on, as well as a listener question here at the end of the podcast that I think will be interesting to talk about. And we'll kind of wrap it up here with, I guess, our thoughts on a guy the Mariners had just acquired or signed earlier today on Valentine's Day. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. So, Joe. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, dude. The 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 Mooney episode, kind of. I mean, Dave Sims calls Andres Munoz Mooney now, but I think there's only one in our hearts, right? Well, I think because he was Muni. Is that how it works? Muninori. Yeah? Is that is that the differentiating factor there, just the pronunciation? I have no idea. Okay. Well, regardless, good good episode pick on your part today. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's a good day. I, I would say we got everyone's not maybe not and not everybody. It's only pitchers and catchers, but there's people walking up. The Mariners social media team is providing us with some happiness on February 14th. Guys walking in. Cal's looking cute. Andres Munoz is looking very cute. His hair is really long. Dude, he's got the flow rocking. Like it's coming in. Mm-hmm. George Kirby already throwing a pen. I think Brian Wu was next to him in the video that they posted. Very, very exciting things for Mariners baseball just in general across the board we're back and I'm I don't know I'm just excited to get the season underway even if some of like half of the free agent population isn't wanting to do that that's that's okay and there's a little bit of there's some rumblings within the Mariners division not for the Mariners okay but this is Mariners related because Justin Verlander Astros number two starting pitcher Maybe number one, depends on who you ask, but probably number two. He's a little bit behind schedule, which I think, I mean, I don't want to say it bodes well for the Mariners because it's never a good thing when guys are injured. However, if there's, you know, there's some some other news aside from the Mariners have reported today, like Verlander and I think JP France are also behind their throwing schedules with like shoulder soreness or whatever. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not mad about it. I think that it's a pretty big thing when anytime a a player of that caliber is injured on a team in your division again we don't wish injuries on anybody but honestly i would bet that the astros fans are shaking in their boots but first a word from bet online the super bowl is done and dusted but you know who's not done and dusted bet online and with the mlb season coming next and all baseball fans can rejoice because the super bowl is done that means it's baseball season we've got next and bet online has you covered all season long, even before the season starts. And say you're, you know, wanting to continue to play some bets until the MLB season really kicks into gear, the NBA and NHL are right there readily available for you. And BetOnline has the best up-to-date news, odds, trends, and predictions for all your betting needs. And they've got you covered with desktop access and mobile access as well. With that being said, with the MLB season rolling around, the Mariners looking like they're in pretty good shot to make a run at this thing and with how the odds are set up right now it might not be a bad idea to maybe make a cheeky little bet for the world series i've got some good faith that bet online has us covered all season long and that the mariners will do us some justice this year as well bet online the game starts here so with justin verlander and jp france possibly being both behind schedule and that that's not to say that they're going to miss any time at the start of the season 
But if you're the Mariners, obviously last year Jose Altuve was hurt in was it was he hurt in the WBC or yeah, was it before the WBC? It was during the WBC. He got hit on the yeah. hand. That's right. Yeah, and so he was out for a little while, and the Mariners needed to take advantage of that time where they could play. I would I don't want to say catch up, but get a head start on the Astros in 2023, and that didn't happen. And again, it's not to say that France or Verlander are going to be out at any point at the start of the year. But if they are, and the Mariners can somehow magically stay healthy through spring training, the Mariners have to get off to a hot start. And with that being said, I also think that there's a chance that, like, maybe we won't see much of Brian Wu. Maybe he's behind on his, you know, his throwing program, which is entirely possible just because of how many innings we saw him throw last year. As of today, we have not heard about anybody that isn't, anybody pertinent to this roster right now that isn't ready for spring training that is not prepared to go out there and start a spring training game if they need to. I think that if you're a Mariners fan right now, you're in a pretty good spot with the health of this team. Now, that could change very, very quickly. We've seen throughout the years guys get hurt in spring training, and it obviously takes a big toll on the first month or two for this team. But right now, the Mariners are in a good spot. I think the only guy off the top of my head is Gregory Santos because he was injured list at the end of last year. Chris Getz had said, like, I think in December that his medicals were coming back, like, looking good, but probably wouldn't have a super heavy spring, would be ready for opening day. And I think that still stands as of right now. I don't think we've heard anything else other than that. So newly acquired back into the bullpen guy, Gregory Santos, might be in limited action in spring. But you make a good point about, like, talking about, like, where the Mariners were out. Say, like, when Altuve was out last year, it's getting a head start. It's getting ahead of these teams that will be at full strength later on. The Rangers will get Max Scherzer back at some point during this season. Theoretically. Same thing with Jacob deGrom, barring setbacks. There are guys that the the teams are not going to be at full strength when hopefully the Mariners will be. And if I'm looking at the Astros rotation, like that automatically slides Jose Urquidy into the rotation. I think he might have already been factored into it ahead of JP France potentially. But maybe that causes them to make a free agent signing of some sort. Maybe it's not going to be this lucrative high end guy. But you know, I can't think of who who is still of. They're not going to go out and sign Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell, in my opinion. That's not what the Astros would be after. They're more after like a mid level guy to fill in. Maybe a swing man like a Scalfani would have been perfect. I feel like in this situation, obviously not available on the free agent market. But as for the Mariners, I just. It's the first day. We're still pretty new into, you know, them being back. So there isn't a whole lot of, I think, content or stuff on the surface to really dive into. But it's just nice seeing baseball activity again, ultimately. Seeing the pictures and the videos from down in Peoria, it just does so much for my mental health. I'm like, (laughs) yep, I am in so much of a better mood because of that. Like, I'm seeing Peoria. I freaking love Peoria. If you guys have never been down there, go down there. I'll be down there in about a month. Actually, a month from today, I will be in Peoria. Very exciting. So, you know, I mean, you know, we got the, you know, we got the mental health down here and then boom, right back up. It's all it takes, baby. It's all it takes. Spring training, Peoria, Arizona, sunshine, in and out burger, raisin canes. Mm. Leo's. I was going to bar- say, where's the barbecue shout? <laughs> Leo's, Leo's barbecue. You better believe I'm going to Leo. If I don't go to Leo's this year, it's over. You may as well just go it's by, good. I mean, just go by yourself. It's Colt over. Yeah. I will go by myself. I don't care. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I will door dash it. I don't care to the hotel. <laughs> Just going to pay I, a ridiculous fee. I do not care. It's so worth I it. <laughs> I need it. So with all the guys in spring training, we have seen a little bit more about this jersey conundrum. 
that is going on around MLB with Nike switching to whatever the hell they're calling these new jerseys. Mm-hmm. And they look ugly. They're like, they're rough. They're really bad. I think that I tweeted the other day that it, they remind me of the give the jerseys they give away. Yeah. You got one hanging up back there. Kind of like that Griffey jersey. Yeah. So, Joe, I don't, this is going to be so niche, Joe. I'm ready. But when you, me, and Chance had gone to Dodger Stadium, I think that was for my birthday, or maybe it was just you and me when you, we went with my dad. No, it's the Justin got, Turner one. The Justin Turner one? Yeah. They look just like that. Yeah. No, it's I, it, it's spitting image almost. I will try to find that jersey and send a picture of it to you so you can throw it up at this point in the podcast. Uh-huh. But they look just like a jersey that they give away for free at the gates. That's how bad they are. Something that I saw that was an interesting comparison, I it, I don't know if it was fuzzy. There's There's so many just big accounts posting about all the jerseys and plenty of guys in the Mariners community as well. Like I know Mariners on tap was tweeting like there's so many guys. Okay. So many, but I looked, there was a picture of the all-star game jerseys that was posted. Mm -hmm. And someone was saying the like spacing and the lettering looks similar to what they're rolling out for 2024. They, that was the plan is they they said they were wearing them at at the all-star game. Yeah. And so, like, I don't dislike – I mean, we both have the Kirby All-Star Game jersey. I don't dislike it by any means. I think the reason why, though, is because it's its own entity. It felt like mm-hmm. it was its own occasion, whereas all these jerseys now are going to be that carbon copy where it looks – I mean, I'll say it. It looks cheap. It just – it looks cheap, ultimately. The lettering is smaller. It doesn't It doesn't feel like a jersey anymore. It, it feels – like you're saying, like those cheap ones that you get at the gate for free, whatever. It's got the Alaska Airlines thing on the tag. There are like yeah, the, yeah. the Sato Enterprises on the other arm, whatever you want to call it, whoever was sponsoring it that night. And it just sucks because, jer- I don't know, jerseys are such a important part, I think, of fandom for me. I don't have a ton. I don't have as many as you do. And I'm glad that you have a lot. And I'm glad that I got my fair share last year. When they were mm. still, you know, not, not, they haven't been updated. I was thinking about calling the team store and being like, Hey, you still have like a reg, like a 2023, like Cal teal one or something like that before they're shelved forever. Because one, the new ones are more expensive, which is hilarious that they're raising the price on what looks like a cheaper product. And you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of poetic with Mariners fandom to have like a, a, cheaper looking product potentially go out and get more money kind of a situation you know don't want to play into that crowd too much but it's kind of it's kind of poetic <laughs> in a in a bad way i remind i i have a story about that that i just thought of for um this season but before we get too far into that i think that when we you were talking about the all-star game jerseys i have always disliked at least on the back of like the kirby one i don't like the lettering I don't like the way it looks. And like you said, the jersey itself is comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine with it. Um, I don't feel like it's as breathable as some of the other ones, but that's whatever. Yeah, they're, like, they're lying through their teeth. Like, I don't – I can't feel a difference, really. Mm-hmm. And it's – I don't know. The lettering is just what really gets me, mainly on the back of the jersey, the front, whatever. It's just – I have always thought that it doesn't look as crisp because, obviously, a few years ago when the Mariners went to – they went to this one where it's like outlined, you know, with sure. like the, the teal when they switched it from teal, then silver to silver, then teal, which was back in 2016, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. They look, they started to look so much crisper than they were before that. 
And now they, they just took a step in the wrong direction, specifically for the Mariners. I mean, other jerseys, I don't know. But specifically for Mariners jerseys, it looks so dull. And all the players are like, I actually like these, blah, blah. No, you don't. Yeah, there's someone behind the camera just like yeah. say good things about it. Like they, like the Jason Hayward video, I think, is the one that's going the most like viral. Like he's wearing his Dodgers, like looking at this. So he's like, yeah, this is, this is actually way better than before. It's like, okay. I understand that, like, this is just a PR thing. Like, you have to get people on the good side of it. But it just, I don't know. The lettering, it, it looks like something I could do if I bought, like, a cricket. Like, a cricket. Is that what it's called? The sticker? Crick, cricket or cry cut, yeah. I, whatever. Oh, cry cut? Whoa. Sounds European. Um, I don't know. It just, they, I've seen comparisons to, like, like youth soccer jerseys, like what people are calling it. And like also them like changing like how the lettering looks on like the front. Like I saw like the Braves and the Dodgers, like it's splitting in different parts than it used to before. And it like, it doesn't seem like a natural break in like where like the Jersey overlaps as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I can't remember what for the Dodgers, like if it was on like the, the second D and now it's like on the D and the G. I don't, I don't know them dropping the MLB logo underneath the little dude. Ugly. It looks it looks like one that you got shipped from China. Yeah, no, like just straight from China. The DH Gate jersey, like it's it's going to see a resurgence this year with them, because they're going to be on like I think comparable levels of quality for one hundred and thirty dollars less. I um I have a Mark Trumbo jersey mm-hmm. that is so incredibly bad. Like, where it's, you know, supposed to say marriage across the chest, it says it, like, down here. <laughs> I'll send you a picture for that one, too. It, it, I, these pictures need to be seen for to really understand what I'm talking about. Audio listeners are just pounding the table They're right now, like, so dang confused. it! <laughs> we'll, we'll put it, audio listeners, I'll put it on Twitter. There you go. I'll put it on Twitter. Go follow us on Twitter, at Mojo Mariner. Um, the other thing, we're talking about, you know, worse product for more, for a higher price. I went and looked at opening day tickets the other day, <gasps> and the, the cheapest one. It was in, like, the bleachers for, like, 50 bucks. Uh-oh. I'm like, that's the cheapest ticket you got? That's unfortunate. <laughs> for, a, for a team that, up until, like, a month ago, everyone was pounding the table saying, like, boycott it? Mm-hmm. And that's the cheapest ticket they got? I mean, I was, it's, I opening, it's day, opening day. And it's but... Boston. I think Boston's a, also could True. be, like, a pretty big seller. Not to say that, like, I'm picking Boston to win the East. I'm probably, like, if I had to bet any team... Bet online. Of course, the word from <laughs> uh, Boston's probably fifth or fourth, realistically, in the East for me. Like, I like a lot of the pieces there. Like, Tristan Katz's is great. Brian Bayo's great. But ultimately, it's not, you know, they're not going to be at the top. But it is just like a, a pretty, I don't want to say like, presti- it's a prestigious franchise when they come to town. There's a lot of fans there, similar to like when the mm-hmm. Blue Jays come, but that's because Canada, Yankee, obviously, you know, there's just the franchises that bring in more fans naturally. So maybe that's playing into it for opening day, but ultimately it's just, it's just opening day. Like that's just kind of, that's the way the cookie crumbles for $50 bleacher sheets, apparently. Bleacher sheets. By bleacher sheets, bleacher by sheets, the way. by the way. They're so <laughs> sheety. Anyways. All right, and this has been episode 61 of the Hit It Here podcast. The, the Pat Vendetti episode of the Hit It Here podcast. Oh, switch pitcher? I, I think that it's time we move on, Joe. Okay. We've, we've harped too much about the jerseys. That's fair. So now we're going to talk about the Mariners. They just signed a 27-year-old pitcher uh, to a minor league deal, Jordan Holloway. Is that an invite to spring training as well? I don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> That's a good question. You'll be in minor league camp, maybe. Yeah. It was on the MLB, MILB transactions log. Great question, Joe. Well, there you go. Jordan Holloway, um, New Mariners. Yeah, he has, what, 39 innings pitched in the major leagues between, I think those were mainly with Miami. All with Miami from um, 2020 to 2022. And then he spent last year in between the White Sox and the Cubs in their minor league system. I mean, they they showed some of his track man data. Okay. And, and like, it's fine. You know what I mean? He, he So, according to the Pro Day Spotlight from Cressy Sports uh, Performance something or another. Of course. Jordan Holloway was sitting 98 and showcasing plus secondary offerings in his Pro, bull, pro Day bullpen session. Big offseason mechanical adjustments have Holloway primed for a monster 2024. Um, they have his total spin here on his curve. Okay, it just changed. His fastball, total spin, uh, 2214. Okay, so higher, higher RPM. Um... Total sp- okay, these are all they're just showing his fastball. This is like a ten minute video. I'm not watching the whole thing. But he's, anyway. got a, he's got a slider too. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, what yeah. the Mariners are after is a high velo fastball. Seems like the RPM on it's pretty decent. And then you've got to potentially fix their fix his slider. It's a guy that you're bringing into minor league camp. I when you first told me about it, I'm gonna tell them. I compared him. He's the the pitching Jackson Holiday. Like, he's, like, the discount. Because, like, Jordan Holloway, it's, like, close enough, right? So he's primed to have a big year, just like Jackson Holloway will, for the Baltimore Orioles. A guy added to the pile. It's nothing crazy, right? Will we ever see Jordan Holloway pitch in the bigs for the Mariners? I don't know. Is that a question for me? It's more of a rhetorical question, because every single time we talk about the bullpen, it's like, you may never hear this guy again! He could be dragged to a back alley. We're just kidding. Not going to happen. That's, whoa, little dark. Little dark. Really dark. Again, it's um, it's depth. Another guy thrown into the lab. Hopefully, they can do something with him. And if not, he's just going to be pitching for the Tacoma Rainiers and call it a day. So that brings up an interesting question, then, Joe, that we got from our Discord and our podcast question. It's the Discord 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 is now open to the public so if you'd like to join click the link down below yeah Come have fun conversations with us in the podcast question section you can put questions for this podcast and oh. you might you might get lucky and have it posted or set on the show asked on the show like so. this one right here from nicola nicola appreciate your question also tyler a bunch of people commented about the jersey so we kind of that was naturally going to be a segment so you guys don't get credit for that one. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nicola asked, is there ever going to be a, quote, hitting lab, end quote? I think that is more of a question that we'll be having in probably like two to three years when a lot of our prospects that can come up through the system and develop as hitters, we'll see what they can do. Because in the past, you know, the Dustin Ackley's, maybe even if you want to label Jared Kalnick into it, there's been guys that have come up that just haven't, developed as a hitter with the Seattle Mariners. And pitching has been really great. George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. We haven't fully seen Emerson Hancock yet, but I still think there's upside for like a number four, number five out there. Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. And the main thing for the pitching lab is also relievers. And I think that's probably the biggest disconnect for the lack of either identifying good hitting talent in the free agent pool or trade class of those veterans that you're bringing in. Like they could not get AJ Pollock to hit lefties like he once was. 
they did not allow Colton, or maybe not they, you know, in, in the practice here, like Colton Wong had a career worst year. Teoscar Hernandez regressed. So is that a question of the hitting lab maybe causing people to not be as good? Or maybe the personnel there, they brought in Brant Brown, so maybe he's going to be able to start developing the lab. He's, you know, laying the groundwork for it right now. He's nailing in baseboards, you know. He's setting up the foundation for the hitting lab, okay? He's he's lining the fences for, you know, the the batting cages and such. So I think in like two to three years is where we'll find we'll be able to really identify it with if Harry Ford is a contributor at the major league level cole young colt emerson like there are going to be prospects i think that you're going to want to look out for that will be big identifiers and maybe those guys are would be successful no matter what and it's lower level prospects or the ones that you don't expect say jonathan class a somehow figures out how to hit a baseball instead of just like running around really fast that's then a question like okay did he get that from the hitting lab or is it guys going to drive line like ty and jp you know, there's, I think there's a lot of nuance to this question because we've seen so much success with the pitching lab. It's like, when are the hitters going to turn around? And I think it specifically goes with the way that, if we're talking specifically prospects, it goes with the Mariners draft classes. Mm-hmm. They started out when, when Jerry and Justin got here, mainly Jerry, he, it was all pitchers. It was, you know, George Kirby, Emerson Hancock, Logan Gilbert, boom, 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 bunch of pitchers in a row. Uh, in terms of like first round draft picks, they went heavy on the pitching side of things. And now we see this is the Mariners strong suit. Sure. So if we're calling that the pitching lab, then yeah, I think that that attributes a lot to the pitching lab. Whereas for the hitters, they didn't start drafting like a college hitter or even a high school hitter straight out in the first round of the draft until what? 2021. Yeah. I think 2021. No, Harry Harry, Harry Ford, Harry Ford. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it went Ford and then Cole Young and then, you know, Colt Emerson and all these guys that are getting drafted in the first round now, you see a change in the way the Mariners are drafting. They went from pitching heavy side now to the hitting heavy side. And I wouldn't be shocked if in a year to, a year or two's time we see them go back to pitching mm-hmm. and they just kind of keep doing it like that because you're accelerating parts of... So, right now, the Mariners pitching staff is really good. In a few years' time, you know, if, let's say you know, Logan and George Kirby don't get extended and they leave, God forbid. Well, hopefully then you have the hitting side being able to carry the freight. Like you have the the Cole Youngs, the Cole Emersons, all that stuff. And then maybe we're having a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. Ballpark factors definitely play a role because what the Mariners have done specifically with relievers is they have brought guys in and focused on, hey, your best pitch is your slider, statistically. You have always gotten more guys out with your slider. Throw your slider more. Cool. But when you're a hitter, cool. a, <laughs> when you're a hitter, a, a lot of hitters don't want to come to this ballpark simply because it's harder to hit here. It is a proven fact that it's harder to hit in, in T-Mobile Park than it is in, say, I don't know. Great American Ball- Small Park. Or, yeah, Cincinnati or something mm. like that. It's just statistically harder. So hitters don't want to come here as it is for the most part unless, A, they're given a bigger incentive, a bigger package to come here. Or, you know... They just think this team is, they, they think they, they can overcome it. And like, it's happened. Nelson Cruz overcame the Marine layer, overcame the ballpark. So did Robinson Cano. Like, there are guys out there that can do it, but we have seen time and time again, guys come here that just simply cannot. And Colton Wong was a good example. Obviously, Adam Frazier was a good example. Although, you know, Jesse Winker's another good example. A lot of guys from the 2022 team. Wait a second. Finally, with that, with the, my point on that is, when it comes to the pitching lab, you can say, hey, throw your slider more. That's your best pitch. Well, on the hitting side of things, it's not as easy to just say, hey, 
you crush fastballs, only swing at those. Because, okay, then they're just never going to throw. Like, look at Jared Kelnick. They started to just never throw him the fastball. Mm -hmm. They just threw him breaking ball after breaking ball, and he was getting out all the time, and he had to readjust. Whereas pitchers, you could say, hey, this is your best pitch, throw it. Because if it's devastating enough, like, no one's ever going to touch it. Right. So there's a lot more nuance to a hitting lab, I would say, than there is a pitching lab. Not to say that it can't happen. There's a lot more that needs to go into it than simply throw this pitch more or swing like this more. I I think part of it and i don't know if this is something that's like you can like quantify it but looking at like say like the braves just identifying good talented hitters and maybe not to say like teo wasn't a good talented hitter he's in the mlb for very good reason he can do a lot of great things with a bat in his hand but he couldn't hit a slider and everyone knew that and there was no adjustments made so is it more so on the like the coaching staff or like the hitters themselves to go in and make those adjustments probably and i think this offseason with a lot of turnover on the offensive side will be a good tell of one if we're still struggling with the front office's ability to identify good talent in free agency in trades to bring to t-mobile the aj pollock thing should have worked out didn't is that them missing on his window maybe colton long same thing like what what really happened there it's hard to say but is it a lack of identifying true talent bringing it into T-Mobile? So say they do perform or whatever, then it's like, okay, is the hitting lab now in the right place because they're performing based around the coaching staff like Brant Brown is brought in as the hitting strategist? Or was it them identifying good talent from the front office perspective like, oh, Mitch Garver has one of the lowest chase percentages. He's a very disciplined hitter. He knows what he likes to hit. He mashes fastballs. He'll fit great here in T-Mobile. It's like, there's a lot of things that can go right. And it's not one answer. Like, when will this happen or will this ever be developed? It's a lot of things that will culminate all together over time. And you said one to two years. I gave it a bigger window, like two to three, just because I feel like some of the prospects might not be ready. But with the way the farm system's set up, should a lot of these guys stick and fit? One, it's them figuring out the right talent to draft, through the MLB draft or the international signing period, like guys like Lazaro Montes or say Michael Royal comes up and is a great contact hitter at the top of your order, a little guy that slaps the ball around the field. Sure. Like there's things that can go right, but it's a lot less easily identifiable. That was a weird sentence. Whoa. It's a lot harder to identify the way to a hitting lab than a pitching lab, which I think are some great points that you raised about like hitters getting Hitters having, I think, less of an advantage in that sense of they don't get to control what pitch they're being thrown. They have to make the decision in a blink of an eye, whether it's a ball, a strike, a pitch that they feel like they can hit, situationally they can hit. Like, it's a losing game. I mean, we're, we celebrate guys that fail 70% of the time, which is what makes, I think, baseball so incredibly difficult. And adding in the park factor, it's just like there's a lot. We use the word nuance a lot. There's a lot of nuance to the hitting lab so hopefully i think we shed some light on what a hitting lab would be or like how it's developed there's just because there's not a real answer for it right now of like when will there be one because we didn't know the pitching lab was going to happen until we started seeing trends of okay they got eric swanson to have like a 230 era plus they got casey sadler to have like a 600 era plus justin topa went from a nothing to a 155 era plus like there are things that you can start to pick out and see, and then they're speaking on it, like Taylor Saucedo's mentioned it a bunch. Justin Topa has talked about it plenty. And so with hitters, 
it's probably going to happen in the next one to two to three years where like you can really identify that and there are teams that have already done it you look at the dodgers or you look at the braves i mean even the rays like they have in my opinion the rays have the best lab in general sure like they are the rays are so incredibly cheap but they know what they're doing and so they can get away with it Mm -hmm. that's the difference between a team like the rays and the a's both incredibly cheap teams but the rays are really good at bringing up prospects, knowing what who they're targeting, super athletic, guys who can play all over the field. You're going to have Isak Paredes come up and hit 300. You're going to have Luke Rayleigh, who was never really anything much for the Dodgers. You're going to turn him into a guy last year who probably could have been an all-star. Mm-hmm. You're going to, I don't know, or the Orioles, for example, they've drafted a lot of good young talent. And so now everyone says the Orioles have a great hitting lab again, easier to hit there, but... It's it, it really is. And for example, like Chavez Ravine down in, in L.A. for the Dodgers, other than the fact they have crazy star power. But for the Dodgers, it's not an easy place to hit either. But they are good at turning guys. Look at Chris Taylor. Good at turning guys that were absolutely nothing into something. I mean, even Justin Turner, when he first get, went over to the Dodgers. Yeah, like uh, prolonging those careers. Like yeah, he was mm-hmm. not great with the Mets, but he turned into a I think he's oh, I, I don't know if I can say this with with my chest hold on i was gonna say something about how much career war hat he has with the dodgers i think it's like i think he's in there i'm not gonna say he's in the top 20 that's crazy joe that's absolutely crazy that i'm trying to say that out loud yeah bro he's top 20 he's 20 he's 21st in career mm. war with the dodgers just because somehow some way they just made him into a a guy that just smashes the ball again if the mariners come out this year with a they, they have changed their identity as, a, as an offensive unit. When it comes to last year, it was very boomer bust. You either hit a home run or you strike out and the inning's over. Now it's a lot of, hey, you should be able to string hits together to score some runs. It might, it might be a little bit more small ball. You might not see as many balls going over the wall this year as we did in the past couple of years. But this team, like you said, they shouldn't chase as much. We, we talked about Mitch Garver's really, really good plate discipline. Um, obviously, Teo is gone. Obviously, Gino is gone. Those were the two highest some of the two of the highest strikeout guys in all of baseball last year so this the this team's identity has changed to the point where i think that you could even say let's say at the end of the year the mariners have i don't know what their full offensive line was last year let's say they're hitting like 250 320 like 425 as a team or something like that (laughs) Uh uh-huh just random numbers i'm just pulling out my butt here but do you then say, oh, this is now a pitching la- or a hitting lab, even though it really was just a changing of the identity of the team? I don't know. You you might be able to, and with the future of the team, adding all these guys from minor leagues, maybe that trend continues, and then you have a hitting lab. But it's like like we said, it's just so much harder to have a hitting lab than it is to have a pitching lab, in both of our opinions, because it's not focusing on just one thing. Yeah, so last year, their slash line was 242, 321, 413. So I, it's, you, you made marginal improvements based around some things there. I think it'd be enough to make a difference. The big thing is, like, we were second in strikeout percentage, 25.9% just behind Minnesota at 26.6. So Man. it's pretty steep, right? Like, the lowest team that struck out the least was the Guardians. Not a great offensive team, but they just lacked, I think, raw power. They struck out in 18.7% of the time. So... You know, just getting it to league average and then raising like the slash line, like you're saying, up 
marginal amounts, like eight batting average points, like 12, 13 slugging, like it's going to make a difference at the end of the day. You'll be putting more runs across. Spring has sprung, and so have we, and Joe and I, in our last episode of the podcast, talked about the spring training battles to watch in 2024, because believe it or not, there are a couple of them that I think are going to be pretty important. Go ahead and check that video out. It's on the screen now. Thank you guys so much for watching episode 61 of the Hit It Here podcast, presented by Bet Online, the Casey Lawrence episode of the Hit It Here podcast, and go Mariners. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.